Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 295 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about calcaneal fat pad atrophy. We're going to go over the anatomy surrounding the plantar aspect of the heel. We'll discuss clinical findings and diagnoses. We'll go over differential diagnoses and talk about conservative treatment and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs, and they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. So heel pain can be a beast, I'm telling you. Um, The problem is that when you hear the word heel pain, the first thing that comes to your mind, I'm sure, is plantar fasciitis, right? Just like, you know, lateral hip pain, you think greater trochanteric bursitis. But in reality, there are so many other causes of plantar heel pain from, you know, tarsal tunnel to lumbar spine nerve root compression. So today we're going to explore calcaneal fat pad atrophy. We'll start with some anatomy. We're going to work our way from the ground up and um, kind of go from there. So, you know, if we look at the anatomy, we're good, like I said, from the ground up. So we talk about the skin first, okay? You need to take into consideration when you look at the bottom of this heel why people may have plantar heel pain. And some of the um, considerations would be like an infection at the bottom of the heel, warts, calluses, um, fissures, uh, those, those uh, piezogenic papules, you know, you've seen them, these little bumps that occur right around the lateral and medial heel, right on the bottom. They're basically little herniations of fat coming through this fibrous mesh that is, uh, you know, in the skin area. Uh, and so those are all common findings there. And then just underneath that, uh, that skin is your fat pad. Okay. Your calcaneal fat pad. Mostly this, this fat exists at the plantar surface, a little bit on the medial and lateral side of the heel also. Now, we go a little bit deeper than that and we hit the calcaneus and um, you need to remember that there is a medial calcaneal spur. That's where your plantar fascia attaches. Um, and then sitting on the heel would be your medial calcaneal nerve and your lateral calcaneal branch of the sural nerve where these you know, fiber tips come together, these nerve fibers come together underneath the heel uh, and can certainly be a source of, uh, of pain and discomfort. Don't forget now that the calcaneus has a periosteum, and that periosteum can become inflamed and develop something called periostitis. So the bottom of that heel can also become sore and inflamed um, because it doesn't have you know a lot of cushioning uh, around that area. So what are some of the most common causes of calcaneal fat pad atrophy? Well, number one, it's age. As we get older, that fat pad under our heel um, starts to thin out, starts to dry out, um, and loses its elasticity, okay? So every time you take a step on it, it kind of pushes the fat out, and the fat comes back in when you take the pressure off of the heel, um, and, you know, that does it 
over and over and over again, which leads into the next most common cause of calcaneal fat pad atrophy, which is repetitive compression. All right, we we walk about a hundred thousand miles uh, in our lifetime, you know, on average. Some of us more, some of us less. Um, but I mean, we put a tremendous amount of pressure on that heel, and just that constant compression um, can certainly break down that uh, that fat pad. So. Statistically, being overweight can put you at risk of having calcaneal fat pad atrophy. Just you know, think about it. Every every pound you add um, significantly increases the amount of compression at your heel. But I have seen this also in ectomorphic individuals. So through my experience, I've seen it equally in both. Um, but statistically, it says that uh, you know folks uh, might have it more if they're overweight, and I can certainly see why that uh, that would happen. Um, now trauma is another cause. Okay. So basically using your heel as a sledgehammer and a lot of people do this, especially, you know, if you work construction or where you're moving a lot of objects, uh, sometimes, you know, giving something a, a quick kick to put into a better position can help, but that can also damage that, uh, plantar fat pad and cause problems there. Um, people who are pes cavus get this more than people who are pes planus, okay, because you're just bearing much more weight on uh, basically, you know, that tripod pattern, the heel and the uh, bottom surface of the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and fifth metatarsal phalangeal joint. And uh, it's just more time on those points, basically, whereas somebody who has a pes planus foot will really distribute pressure more throughout the whole foot, not just the heel and, uh, and metatarsals. Uh, then walking on hard surfaces you know, or working on hard surfaces for long periods of time that are not shock absorbing can also contribute to calcaneal fat pad atrophy. So what does this feel like? What, what makes calcaneal fat pad atrophy different than plantar fasciitis or other types of plantar heel um, issues? So the pain is usually deep at the plantar surface of the heel. It's not generally medial or lateral. Like plantar fasciitis can be a little anteromedial. Um, if you had a stress fracture or a Seaver's disease, uh, that could give you some medial or lateral pain, um, and these folks would be sore with a calcaneal squeeze test. There's usually increased pain with standing or walking. Uh, it'll feel like a bruise uh, type of feeling, and um, it's usually worse when you walk barefooted. Uh, so the differential diagnosis here, you know, or diagnoses would be, you know, if you're tender in the central calcaneal region, um, the calcaneus is more exposed, the fat pad splays out to the sides. Uh, so you need to remember that when you're testing that heel. You'll have a negative calcaneal squeeze test with somebody who has calcaneal fat pad atrophy, okay, because you're not um, compressing the bone and the, really the, the plantar fat pad is more on the plantar surface, not medial and lateral. Uh, if you have something like an Achilles insertional issue also, that'll be in the back of the heel more. Um, folks with calcaneal fat pad atrophy are also going to have a little less morning pain, and it usually increases with more weight bearing, unlike plantar fasciitis, which is usually worse in the morning and gets a little bit better after you've taken a few steps. 
you need to also rule out tarsal tunnel syndrome. So make sure you do a tenels at the tarsal tunnel. Uh, make sure that doesn't reproduce some heel pain. I have seen this uh, in numerous times where, you know, somebody comes in, it looks just like, you know, plantar heel pain. And um, you do a tenel sign and uh, they, they just get this radiating discomfort, this burning sensation at the uh, plantar surface of the heel. Um, and uh, they have tarsal tunnel con- uh, syndrome. They've got some compression there uh, causing some of this neural type of pain. Don't forget to look at the lumbar spine too. Okay, it's a lumbar nerve root compression. Uh, just do a simple, you know, straight leg raise test. See if that reproduces any heel pain, deep tendon reflexes, you know, S1. Do some sensory testing. Make sure that uh, they don't have an S1 nerve root compression that could be causing some of that uh, unusual heel discomfort. Make sure that you plant, you palpate the plantar fascia. Rule out plantar fasciitis or, or opathy. Um, go from that calcaneal tubercle distally toward the toes and see if they have some tenderness in the fascia along with their uh, heel pain. So how do you treat calcaneal fat pad atrophy? Well, this is kind of like a structural wear and tear. It's almost like, you know, the the tires in your car wearing out over time. Uh, you can't just throw the rubber back on there. You can put a new tire on your car, but you can't really put in a new calcaneal fat pad. Um, Although surgically, there are some procedures that uh, can kind of mimic that, uh, but we're going to stick to conservative management. So the first thing that comes to your mind really is cushioning, right? You want to try to cushion the bottom of your heel. Now, there's two different ways of doing this. You can you can treat it with an orthotic, like an accommodative orthotic. Uh, I use something called Mega Comfort insoles. They're uh, an insole that was made kind of like a uh, like an anti fatigue mat that you can put in your shoe and it, it absorbs shock all the time. So there are a lot of orthotics out there that are shock absorbing or accommodative, and those will be symptom relieving. But personally, I've I've gone both ways with this, uh, and I like to do a corrective orthotic. I like to cup the heel a little bit because by doing that, when they bear the weight and the fat pad wants to splay out medially or laterally, if you have a heel that is cupped with an orthotic, the fat pad will not migrate medially and laterally as much and stay in the center of the heel better. Okay, so that's something to take into consideration. The other thing that I like to do is I like to support the arch so you optimize full foot weight bearing and decrease that that plantar fascial pull. Okay, so if the plantar fascia is pulling and stretching and stressing all the time, um, you get less of that pull. So you kind of manage a plantar fasciitis type symptom, but you have more full foot contact so you're not just bearing weight on the heel Um, and then you also control the medial and lateral drift of the heel when they're weight bearing so you get less of a shearing type of effect Um, and so it's that rocking of the heel side to side I like to control also so a, a more of a custom orthotic or a corrective orthotic I think is more beneficial and it sounds counterintuitive sometimes to not just do cushioning under the heel but you don't want to do a cushion just under the heel. If you do a um, an accommodative type of orthotic, you want to make sure that it is uh, it covers the whole foot, okay, the the, the full sole of the foot, um, just because you don't want to increase just the height of the heel. It's going to shorten up the calf, um, and it makes the heel a little more unstable. 
And we know that that's been a problem. We've talked about this in a previous episode where we talked about uh, orthotics or heel lifts, you know, four different uh, foot problems. And uh, we don't just want to lift up the heels. So uh, I'm I'm an advocate of a full uh, insole inside the shoe if it's accommodative or corrective. You want to discuss with your patient, you know, walking surfaces. You know, what are they walking on? Nowadays, everybody seems to have ceramic tile, hardwood floors, laminate, click flooring, um, which is really hard. So utilizing shoes or sneakers or some sort of uh, footwear in the house that has some cushioning can be helpful in uh, decreasing that trauma to the heel. You can also consider modalities when you're treating these folks. I mean, think about the biomechanics, the plantar fascia being tight, the gastroxoleus being tight, um, how the heel reacts when it strikes the floor, and uh, and all of that. So you want to take a look at, you know, I, I like to do IFC pre-mod current, especially if they're having a lot of discomfort. I like to heat those surrounding structures. Uh, radial pressure wave therapy can certainly bring a lot of blood flow to the deep surface of the heel. Um, that is something we are using a lot more. More lately and having some really good success with. Now, as most lower extremity diagnoses go, you need to consider, you know, weight loss. I know it's that chat you hate to have with people, but it's very important. So diet, cardiovascular conditioning, you know, biking, swimming, rowing, things that don't put a tremendous amount of pressure on the heel, but you can still get that heart rate up there are very important. And uh, if, if a person can lose you know, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, that is significant in regards to every step you take um, with pressure on the heel. So, you know, engage them into some cardiovascular conditioning, start them in therapy if you can, um, and then progress them into some sort of a fitness program. And I think that'll be super helpful. Um, What if conservative therapy doesn't work? Well, you know, confirming your diagnosis is important, so make sure you use your clinical skills to identify what you want to do for diagnostic testing. And we, we talked about this in the last episode about, uh, you know, what, when do you do diagnostic testing, how do you order it, and whatnot. So if you didn't uh, listen to that episode, make sure you listen to it after this one. Um, but you need to consider tarsal tunnel syndrome, so possibly an EMG, nerve conduction velocities. If you're suspicious of a stress fracture, then getting an X-ray, bone scan could be helpful. Um, and uh, I, I saw a patient one time with a tumor at the plantar surface of the heel, and uh, we ordered up an MRI, and uh, he had an encapsulated tumor there. It was uh, quite interesting, and uh, it had that removed and did great, and so he thought he had plantar fasciitis, but uh, didn't really, and um, had that uh, removed, and he did really well really quickly, so making sure you do a good clinical exam to try to identify what you want to do for diagnostic imaging is super important. So because our focus is, you know, on diagnosis and treatment of calcaneal fat pad atrophy, we're not going to jump into more invasive treatments like injectable fillers and soft tissue transplant, et cetera, uh, but certainly something you could uh, look into if you have no success with your patient. But uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen anybody ever have to have surgery for calcaneal fat pad atrophy. It's usually manageable uh, conservatively. Between yourself and, uh, you know, an orthopedic specialist, uh, you usually can get those to settle down and modification of footwear, shoe wear, and that type of thing. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to send me your questions for the show and uh, check us out on orthwayvalpal.com. Review a few videos on our YouTube channel. And as always, I'll ask you to be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.